Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Um, I've been teaching a series called The Measure of a Great Church, which actually I'm doing a series my father, the founding pastor, did in 1995. Uh, It wasn't long after that, I believe it was the following year, that he uh, went to heaven. And and in looking and listening at the series over the years, it is so true today. And there's just a there's just that moment that in, in listening to my dad speak in those uh, messages that he was speaking not for 1995, he was speaking life and releasing faith into our future. As the founding pastor, God had put all those things for this church in his heart, which still live on. Even he's living in heaven, but we're living on the things that God had established and were spoken out, amen, uh, by our pastor, and we're moving forward in all that God has. So I want to share that with you during the course of this series. You can go back. I don't want to rehash or revisit for time's sake all the things we talked about, but if you're looking, maybe you're kicking the tires, right, taking it for a test drive, you know, go back and listen to the last few weeks. You'll get a real picture of who we are. Um, I think everybody just needs to absorb it, you know, let, let it sink in because it's, it is who we are. And so if this is your home, I would encourage you to go back and re-listen to those again. I'm going to start in Matthew 16, 18, really just to establish something beyond anything. We're not just talking about this month, a founder and, and a man's vision. God has the vision and he gives it to, entrusts it rather into men, women, people. And I want you to hear what the scripture has to say. And this is part of our guiding principle and what we believe here. So Matthew 16, 18 through 19 says, and I tell you that you are Peter. There's an exchange between Jesus and his disciples. He's like, hey, you guys are out there with all the people. Who do the people say that I am? And some are saying, well, some believe, you know, you're the prophet. And, and then, you know, Peter, Jesus looks at Peter and says, okay, now who do you say that I am? Right? He just looks at the disciples. But I appreciate Peter because Peter just pipes up. And I'd be the guy to be, hey, you want Peter, why don't, you, why don't you go first, right? You know, I don't think you have to tell Peter that. He just jumps out there. Peter got it right this time, and this is what Jesus is talking to. He says, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, the rock of the revelation Peter had, his response, you are the Messiah, you are the soon-coming king, you are the rescuer, you are the redeemer. All those words are appropriate there. He says, you are the Messiah. And so Jesus says, you didn't learn this from anything on the earth my Father in heaven told you. And on this revelation, that this is built on who I am, not what man's doing or wanting to do. This is built on the revelation of who I am. I will build my church, my church, not my church. Funny to say that. Jesus, Jesus is saying it's his church, his church, not man's church. And I don't care what men thinks or does. And I, I kind of went on a little rant and I'll, I'll avoid that. This service, you want, you want to hear it, you might go back and check it out. But understand today, no matter what people are doing with church and calling it church, if it doesn't line up with what Jesus says, They may call it all they want to call it, but it's his church. It's not a government church to be mandated and legislated. It's not that. It's not pop culture or common culture or whatever that is to to determine what a church looks like. It's in the scripture already. It's already been written. Why don't we have all these discussions about it and look at what does it look like today? And we want to be politically correct. And I'm not trying to be insensitive today. I'm trying to be biblically correct that this is the church that Jesus is building. And it needs to look like him or what he has in in his word. Now, we love everybody. And we're just following the things of God, but it's his church. And so I want you to know that here. Always has been. It's not Pastor Don Sr., Pastor Don Jr. It's not the Duncan Church. This is Jesus' church, and he's building it. And so uh, we work with him, and the gates of hell, or Hades, will not overcome it, verse 19 says. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I'll give you the authority. I'll give you the power, as long as you're operating it the way I want it operated in. 
It's my church, so I will give you. That's so nice of him. It's your church, and then you're giving me everything I need to run it? Absolutely. Thank you. He's given us the power and authority. And whatever you, it goes on to say, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So he's given us his authority to do his will for his church. And that's what we're endeavoring to do here. So uh, let me read that Matthew 16, 18 in the amplified version. It says this, and I tell you, you are Peter, Greek Petros, a large piece of rock. You're a good man. You're going to work hard. Your heart's right. There's a lot of things you can do, but this isn't built on man. And this is not built on you, Peter, no matter how great and wonderful you are. And he goes on to say, and on this rock, Greek meaning Petra, a huge rock like Gibraltar, the revelation, it's all about who Jesus is. That's the rock that this is built on that cannot be shaken and will stand forever. That's what he's going to build his church on. So understand that. And so that's what we believe. And he goes, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. I love that. Nothing can stop the church of Jesus from moving forward on mission. Amen. Nothing, nothing, but it has to be his church and his authority and his power. Amen. And so that's what we believe here. Uh, I'm going to say it this way. The enemy's only hope is for you and I to do nothing. You know, I, I just finished watching some of the Olympics and uh, that just happened. We all did. If you've been watching it, um, one of my favorite things, is the track and field event, I love watching the hundred, what is it? The, the hundred meter sprint or what is that? That, you know, and uh, it wasn't as exciting this year because the last three Olympics we had Usain Bolt, who's just ridiculously fast, right? You didn't know a human could move like that. And you know, for the last three Olympics, he's won all this. He's the fastest man in the world. The only reason he's not today is because he decided not to compete. <laughs> so whoever won this year and gets the title of fastest man in the world won because Usain Bolt didn't show up. <laughs> I think that's the devil sometimes. His only hope is that the church doesn't show up. His only hope is that you and I don't show up, that we don't get up. We don't show up in our marriage. We don't show up in our family. We don't show up in our job. We don't show up in our relationships. We don't show up. That's his only hope because the Bible says right here in Matthew 16 that when we show up church in the power and authority of Jesus who's building the church, we move on and move forward and nothing can overcome and nothing can stop. Amen? And so I love that. I love that. Amen. Yeah, we can celebrate that. Okay. So let's move on to Acts 19. Let's jump into today. Okay. Acts 19. Starting verse 8. So here we go. We're looking at the... Paul's writing a letter, to, uh, writing, and he's talking about Ephesus here, and he's talking this way. Paul entered the synagogue. He, he went to plant a church in Ephesus. Let me give you a little background about Ephesus. I, I better start there, I guess. Ephesus is a, one of five free cities of the day. Ephesus is a huge city located in, in Turkey, modern-day Turkey, and uh, Ephesus is a, a free city, and it's a free city, meaning it is so friendly and allied with Rome, Rome didn't feel the need to put a, a Roman garrison there. Rome is occupying all kinds of areas because the people aren't following the Roman way, right? They're, they're living different than Rome lives. They're not worshiping the gods that Rome does. They're not honoring Caesar like everybody else does or anything like that. But Ephesus, however, is a free city. So it's just like Rome. It's like just as immoral as Rome is, just as corrupt as Rome is. They're worshiping the same gods Rome's worshiping. They're honoring Caesar like Rome is honoring Caesar. So Rome has nothing to fear. That's how Ephesus looks. In other words, Ephesus is dark. It is immoral. It is wicked. It is corrupt. And yet, 
Paul goes to plant a church there. Can I tell you that every place, no matter how dark it is, needs a church. It needs a life-giving church. It needs light in the darkness. So Paul goes there. So now here we go. That's background for you. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, and they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, the way being the teachings of Jesus. So Paul left them. He took the disciples. Who did he take with them? Come on, if you weren't here last week, can you go back and we talked about disciples? He took the disciples with him, not just followers of the way, but people that were following the teachings of Jesus. And discussions, he took his disciples, had discussions with them daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. The lecture hall of Tyrannus. So here they are in the church, and the religious crowd and the people at church are arguing about the teachings of Jesus. Why, why was Paul doing the teaching of Jesus? Because it's his church. <laughs> and other people are like, no, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do church our way. And so Paul says, you do that. Good luck to you. I'm taking this group. Where are you going to go? We got the church. I don't need a building. Church isn't a building. So the disciples went down the road to a school. You know what we're going to do? We're going to plant a church in the school. We're going to plant a church meet in the medical school right here. And so it didn't matter to Paul. He knew that nothing could stop the light, right? So he went down the road, planted a church. He took the disciples with him and started a church in the medical school of Tyrannus. Goes on to say this. This went on for two years. So for two years, he's a church plant here in Tyrannus, and he's talking about the things of God. So that, listen to this, all the Jews, say all. All All the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Hold on a second. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time out. There is a church plant in one of the darkest places on the planet. They got kicked out of the church that people want to do it their way. They want to do it Jesus' way. So they went to a school to start a church to follow the way Jesus wanted. And in two years, this little church in the darkest place on the planet shared the gospel with all the Jews and Greeks who live there. Are you kidding me? Why? How can that be? Because darkness cannot stop the light. The gates of hell cannot prevail against God's church. There's nothing we cannot do. Well, you just don't know the world today. And the political system's crazy like this, and culture's all this kind of stuff, and everything's happening. Hey, okay, it's getting darker. I get it. That's okay. But then I think darkness cannot overcome the light. Amen? And the gates of hell cannot prevail against a church on mission. Empowered by God. I'm excited. Can you tell? I'm excited today. Just get used to it. I'm going to be at this level or more the whole rest of the service. Pray my voice lasts. Okay, I'm just telling you. Right. But I'm excited. I'm excited. We got 40 years of experience. Are you kidding me? We don't have two years. We've got 40 years experience. Come on, somebody. There's a whole lot we can do for the kingdom of God. We have the light, life, and power of Jesus. He is the head of this church. I got, I, let me keep going. So this one on for two years. Okay, yeah, we're good. 11. And God, listen to what happened. A church based and built by Jesus on his teachings, built on that rock revelation. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Do you think, I didn't say this first service, do you think that that other church that they left were seeing these kind of things there? But they're probably having a good old time, right? Just coming and meeting together and fulfilling their religious obligation and going home and having powerless meetings. That's not why we're here. We might as well just have an Amway meeting then. (laughs) To all you Black Diamond people like, yeah, come on, Pastor Don. I'll sign you up right now. (laughs) So they're just sitting there hanging around. And so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. Some of the Jews went around driving out evil spirits. Come on, and tried to evoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. I love the power that's available in Jesus' church. Power and authority. 
to do what God's called them to do. So we see the gospel going forth. We see signs, wonders, and miracles going forth. Why? How's that possible? How can they do all this? Because darkness cannot overcome light, and they're following the plans and purposes of God. But it goes on to say this. Let's start. It's going to turn just for a little bit. Some Jews, uh, where were we at in verse 13? Some Jews who went around driving evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you. In the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, I command you to come. It sounds like they didn't have a real close connect relationally with Jesus and his teachings themselves, right? So seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> what does it sound like happening here? Sounds like some Jesus followers, seven sons of the high priest, went around and tried to imitate what some disciples were doing. <laughs> People that had a real relationship with Jesus and were obeying his teachings. That's what a disciple is. So here we have some Jesus... Christian, I'm already in it, so I'm not going to apologize for anything. Right? We just have some Christian Christ followers trying to do what Christ-centered disciples are empowered to do, walking in, in the truth. And didn't go so well for them. In other words, they're just playing church. Goes on to say this. Then the man, or goes on to say this. Then the man who had had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. Don't think without the power you can face the devil. Right? Don't think without the power. I can do this on my own. I can, I can do cultural Christianity. I can do lukewarm. I can do whatever. Like, hey, how's that going to work? How's that working for you right now? Right? Because here's what the devil does. He gave, he gave them such a beating. He gave them such a beating. Seven guys gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and afraid. <laughs> he just didn't. Come on. We, we got the power. Right? We got the power. I know what you're thinking. I'm not going to go there either. We got the power. And we have the life, love, and power of Jesus, disciples, and power of the authority that he gave us to do what he's called us to do here on the planet. It doesn't go well when we just play church. It doesn't go well. You saw right there. There's a real enemy there. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord was held in high honor. In other words, they saw what was real and what was not. You know what's real and what's not. You know when you're playing church. You know that. You can feel it. You don't even need the devil telling you. You don't even need the devil to beat you up and embarrass you and humiliate you. You know. But you have the power available if you're willing to dig in as a disciple, study and do and obey to follow the teachings of the word. And then what happened is all of a sudden, because now they're seeing what's real, what's not real, this is a real God because here's these people operating in the power of God. And here's these people thinking they got it, but they don't. And all of a sudden, they said, this is real. And they held the word in high Order, uh, and high esteem. Uh, can I, I just want to say one other thing about the devil's, or the, the, the man that was possessed that beat up the seven guys. He says, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And my question would be to you today, are you known in hell? I mean, I want to wake up every day and the devil's like, oh, he's awake. <laughs> we know that guy, right? So you'd think he'd just let me sleep, but you know, he doesn't, but anyway, so. <laughs> are you known there? We should all, disciples are known in hell. That's why, can I just be so bold as to say that, right? And so we should be disciples and follow the works of Jesus and obey what they're saying. So this became known, the, Lord, the name of the Lord was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now, became, now came and openly confessed what they had done. Things started to change. It's the real deal. I want to get my life in order. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. 
When they calculated the value of all the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. And can I just tell you, this made me laugh because I was thinking about that. I don't know, back in the day, when I was a teenager, back in the 80s, uh, I remember the church got together, and so my dad said, we're going to burn all your rock tapes. <laughs> what? My rock tapes? We're going to go, son, go get all your tapes. Who, who remembers that? Did you guys ever do any of that burning? Okay, we were that church. I mean, we were. We were that church. We burned all our rock tapes and CDs. Some may have burned eight tracks. I don't know. That wasn't me. You know, some's everybody's trying to play their albums backwards, right? You remember all that? I don't know. Crazy stuff going on. So 50,000 drachmas. I thought, man, I just spent 50,000 drachmas on my Van Halen collection. I got to burn it all. And I'm like, Dad, serious? I got to burn all this. But Dad's like, son, if you keep listening to all that, you're going to be on a highway to hell. I know. Hey, it gets worse. It gets worse. Hold on. Hang in there. It gets worse. I said, Dad, I'm not going to be on a highway to hell. I'm climbing a stairway to heaven. <laughs> He's like, son, I'm just concerned you're not going all in. You're just going halfway. I said, I may be halfway there, but I'm living on a prayer. <laughs> he says, you got you to gotta go all in, son. He says, you got to go all in. Because this is more than a feeling. I know, I get it, Dad. I get it. I just still haven't found what I'm looking for. <laughs> so my dad, as he would, looked at me and said, son, just whatever you do, don't stop believing. I know, I know, I know you'd like that one, right? <laughs> I know, I know. I know. And I know, seriously, the 80s rock music and their sermon, I know, that's weird. <clears throat> but if you have a hard time with that, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hope it didn't offend you and so if you're thinking, well, maybe this isn't a place for me, but before you beat it, <laughs> let's talk about it first. So call me at 8675. Come on. <laughs> I'll repent later. <laughs> that has nothing to do with my message. I just wasted, I don't know how much time on my message right there, I just wasted valuable time there, but that uh, was fun. So my, my point, yeah, there is really a point there. <laughs> my point was their lives were changing. Their lives were changing, and, and they didn't want to live that way. They, they didn't want to follow the way of the world. They, you know, that's what happens, right? That comes in, you make a change, and, and, the, and the power of God, the presence of God is there, and it just changes your life, and you want to start living for him. And then you realize as you come together with other believers that, that this has really worked. This is really God. And, 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 and this is a dark place for sure and getting darker. But I'm telling you, when you have the light that is Jesus, and darkness cannot overcome it. And so you can move forward in confidence. And it goes on to say this in verse 20. i got to wrap this passage up. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. The New King James Version says, and prevailed. Sounds like Jesus' church. Prevailing against all the assignments of the enemy, against darkness. So we got to understand that's what God's plan and purpose is, what he has for us. And we got to move forward in that. How is this possible with this little church plant here in the middle of a dark place, the most unlikely place for a church to do any good? How did they reach to share the gospel with all the Jews and Greeks in that area? Signs, wonders, and miracles, and they grew, and, and, and people esteemed the Lord instead of taking the Lord's name in vain. And all of a sudden, there's, people are changing and, and giving up things that were worldly and Lives are being changed forever. How's that possible? I'm going to say this because light, light increased and darkness decreased. Because that church and those people in it carry the light. You and I carry the light. 
we carry the light. I want you to hear from our founder. Here's the first clip. See, the, the, the darkness in this dark place couldn't stop the church from growing maturing, couldn't stop it from walking Christ-like, couldn't stop it from witnessing Jesus, couldn't stop the word that they were sharing and living, touching the hearts of men and drawing them to Christ and getting them saved. It couldn't stop the anointing of the Holy Ghost going forth, praise God, to confirm his word with signs following. It couldn't stop devils from being cast out in the name of Jesus. Darkness could not stop them. This little church wasn't there just in a holding pattern saying, thank God I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, over and out. This church was growing in the things of God. Unashamed of Jesus. Knowing that darkness could not encroach upon them, deter them from whatever God had called them to be personally as a church and could not withstand them as they began to press against darkness. For what purpose? Just to fight devils? No, to set people free. To save them, deliver them, draw them out of the pit of hell and darkness. Get them healed, deliver, get their families out of dysfunction and abuse. Get them restored, ready for heaven and release. Glory to God to go forth and press against that realm of darkness, wherever it be found. Darkness cannot stop them. Darkness cannot overcome light. Pandemics could not stop them. Racism cannot stop them. Nothing can stop a church built on Jesus and his power and authority and the word. This little church plant two years, and I want to say again, we got 40. Nothing can stop. We press against the darkness. The only thing that can hold back the church is the church. The only thing that can hold us back is ourselves because it's impossible for darkness to overcome light. I use this illustration every Christmas Eve. I love it probably forever do it, and I think it's so powerful, simple and powerful, that what's happening in that day in one of the darkest places on the planet is this little church that started little. How they could do so much is because darkness cannot overcome light, and they knew that, and they believed it. And so I got this lantern right here, and again, I do this every Christmas, and as I light this, and we put this together again, I want to have the guys, if you could bring down all the lights in the house, See, because we live in a time that we probably all would be saying, but you know, it's getting darker. And I would agree with that. And the Bible says in the last days and the end times, it's going to get darker, but it does not matter how dark it gets. Darkness cannot overcome light. No matter how dark we make it in this room, it does not diminish this light right here. It cannot. It does not have the power to. You can bring the lights back up, guys. Darkness does not have the power to overcome light. And Jesus is the light. And we carry the light, the Bible says, in each and every one of us. Each and every one, no matter how dark the world gets, it cannot overcome the light. It cannot overcome the light. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. Darkness cannot overcome the light. I can diminish my light. In fact, I can turn this down and I can diminish the light or I can increase it. I can cover the light, but the Bible says don't hide your light under a bushel. Why? Because it's what drives out darkness. Why hide it? Why do we do that? The only way the enemy wins is if we do nothing or we do not show up because we have what he cannot overcome. That is the light. So why, why are we afraid? We have nothing to be afraid of. Why, why would we be afraid to raise our hands in praise and worship? Why would we be afraid to sing out loudly and boldly to our God? 
Why would we be afraid of sharing Jesus with people we find on the street or we run into in public? Why would we be afraid of laying hands on the sick or people in H-E-B or Walmart? Why would we be afraid of giving tithes and offerings unto the Lord? Why would we be afraid of serving someone somewhere? Why would we be afraid darkness cannot overcome light? Why would we hold back? Why would we shrink back? Why would we hide? Why would we do that? This church knew that. And so the gospel went forth in that whole area. Signs, wonders, and miracles happen. Let me ask you this question. What's holding you back? I don't know what's going on in your life unless you've told me. What's holding you back? I can tell you what's not holding you back. It's darkness. Darkness is not holding you back. Why? Because it cannot overcome light. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, let the light shine. Yeah, but you don't know what's going on. All this is happening. This is kind of evil and corrupt and whatever. I don't know that. But what I do know is darkness cannot overcome light. And I'm not belittling what you're struggling with or walking through and got my own issues, all that kind of stuff. But here's what I know. Darkness cannot overcome light. Well, something happened to this church in Ephesus because they didn't continue to do all this. It was great for a time, but all of a sudden the light diminished there. Something happened. What happened? Why did the light diminish? What, what happened to this church? And let me say this, it doesn't mean that darkness prevailed. The church at Ephesus was doing some things, some things great, but some things started to happen. Some things changed. Their light was diminished over time. Darkness did not prevail over light, but it means that the church did not do what it was supposed to do. People did not do what they were supposed to do because darkness cannot overcome light. Let's take a look at it. Revelation 1, starting in verse 10, it says this on the Lord's day. This is John having a revelation of Jesus is, is revealed to him, speaking to him, what's happening, going to be happening, and he's going to report it. So on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, he said. I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said to me, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. The seven church, being known seven churches of Revelation. To Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was, that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Like a Son of Man. All right, now we're getting a little bit of clue who it is here. Dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held the seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. And then he goes on to say this, I'm the living one. Sounds like Jesus to me. I was dead and now look, I'm alive and alive forever and ever. Sounds like Jesus to me. And in case you're wondering, I hold the keys of death and hell. Sounds like the Matthew 16 Jesus who said he's building his church. This is the church builder. This is the one who's given us the keys to the kingdom and authority and power. Speaking right here. Speaking right here. I hold the keys. I'm the one who's building the church. Church is built on. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and those seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. The seven lampstands are the seven churches. The church is a lampstand. The lampstand is a church. The lampstand is a church. What does the lampstand hold? It holds a Light. It holds a lamp that holds a light. The churches are the lampstands that hold the light. The church is not the light. The church holds the light. 
The church is a lampstand that holds the light. The light that cannot be overcome by darkness, might I add. Can I tell you that you are the light because you have Jesus in you. The light is in you. Right? The measure of a great church is about its people. Why? Its people carry the light when they come together in the lampstand. It holds the light that changes people's lives. The church isn't the light. You are. You are the light. You are the light. Seven churches, seven lampstands. Well, what happened? It seems like the church diminishes as we see that. And let's see what it goes on to say. Revelation 2, verse 1. Very next scripture, and it's just a continuation. It's chapter 2 now, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Jesus. I know your deeds, Ephesus. I know your hard work. No one works harder than you work. And your perseverance. You've come up against many obstacles, but you're still going. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. You don't put up with any of that. I know that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and endured hardships for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Good job, it sounds like. But then verse 4 comes. Yet... I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. What has happened to Ephesus, this church, changing the world and reaching all the Jews and Greeks in the, in the Asia province, signs, wonders, and miracles, and all of a sudden doing all the great things, and it says now that's not happening any longer. Something has changed. What's changed? You've forsaken the first love. Let me say it this way. Hey, listen, I know all the mega food distributions you're doing. That's awesome. I know that every week or every couple of weeks we feed a hundred and something meals. I, I enjoyed taking those, some of those meals this last week myself to families. I know we had a great school supply drive and we're doing great things. I know we love doing the bag and a prayer and other serve days. I know you're doing, hey, you're doing great stuff. People are coming and sending congratulatory videos from all over the community, all over the, really the nation saying, what a great job you're doing. But he says, listen, nothing replaces the relationship. Don't put works in front of the relationship. So he says to the church at Ephesus, you're doing great, but you forgot about me. What happened? How did their light diminish? They're still doing great things. They're working hard. But you know what they did? They forgot really it's all about Jesus. It's really... I mean, just all these works, that's great, man. Pat on the back, high five, good job. But you know, it's, it's all about Jesus. You forgot. You're working for him instead of spending time with him. You, it's all about Jesus, that relationship. I hold this against you. You've forgotten, the, forgot, forsaken the love that you first had. Let's take a look at verse five. Verse five goes on to say this. So consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Repent and do the things you did at first. You forgot your first love. I, I don't know what it's like for you. Let me say it this way. Do you remember when you first met Jesus? You were desperate. Whoa, I was just going to meet him right there. It seems like I don't care careful. <laughs> do you remember when you first met Jesus? You were desperate, but you heard something. You heard that even though nobody else loved you, he did. And you thought when you weren't worthy to be saved, he gave his life for you. That's how much value you had. When you thought you had no purpose on the planet, he came and said, I have a plan for you you can't even imagine. 
And when you were hurt and lost and lonely and depressed and broken, you had nowhere to turn, he was right there. And you would have done anything to be with him and listen to him. And you just went, I'm so grateful for what you've done. And you don't know he's rescued me. He's saved me. He's delivered me from drugs and alcohol and brokenness. He's given me a purpose in life again. I want to be with him all the time. I want to talk to him all the time. I want to hear his heart. I want him to hear my heart. Oh, when can I meet with him again? When can I be with Jesus again? I want to feel his loving embrace. And he says, you forgot your first love. You got away from all that. So go back there. Go back there. You know, as I look at this and I hear about first love and it's my own mind and I'm thinking about those things and intimacy with God and hearing his heart, him sharing your heart and communion. You want to be with him all the time. And how do you do that? How how do you be with God all the time? How do you you share your heart and hear his heart? How do you experience him for who he is? How how, how do you have those moments with him? You just want to be with him. I don't have to say, let's just be together. And you know what? I believe that is. It's prayer. It's prayer. It's prayer. And what I believe happened here is the church got busy with all the works and forgot about the relationship. And where does the relationship come through? How does a relationship stay in your first love? How does it stay there? Prayer. How do you stay intimate with God? How do you hear his heart? How does he hear your heart? How do you commune with him? How do you connect with him like that? How do you do Prayer. Because prayers are connecting to the heart of God. You don't go and have to go in with 10 scriptures or a to-do list or where you're praying about. You just spend time with him in prayer. You just talk to him like you would talk to your first love. Well, I don't know. Maybe you need to teach me how to pray. Do I need to teach you how to be with your first love? No. That sounds funny, but that's the reality. Where do we get all mixed up that it has to be this big, long thing with all these points and all these scriptures? No, it's be with your first love every single moment and day of your life. Spend time with your first love. Because what happens then? You know what prayer is? Prayer in the scripture, it's, it's uh, well, let me say what oil is. Oil is anointing. Oil is power. You know, what, you know what prayer is? Prayer is the oil in your lamp. Prayer keeps the light burning. It keeps you connected to the source. Prayer is what keeps you intimate with God. It keeps you connected to your first love. It keeps you there where he is. If you don't have it, when we get dry, and all of a sudden our church is dry, your life is dry, your marriage is dried up, your family is dried up, your future is dried up in your mind. Listen, you know what's happening? You let your lamp dry up. You let your lamp dry up, and we all can do that. So get back to your first love again. Connect with them. Spend time with them. Talk to them like he's your first love. And you know what it does? Your prayer, your, your prayer time is, is, what, is what, what puts oil in your lamp. So it's like, I spilled it all over the tablecloth first service. I'm afraid I'm going to light it on fire. So it's like, I don't even know what to say this morning, Lord. I got a big day today. I need you. I, I mean, I mean I be with my wife today. I, it's important. I mean, just what she's doing today. She, she's, she's having a hard time. I don't know why, but, but be with my wife today. God, be with her. My kids are going to school and they're a little afraid. Now, maybe I am a little bit too, but, but be with my kids today. God, be with my kids. I got a big meeting at work and, and I can't lose this job. I, I need this job to provide my family. Be with me, Father God. And, and let me see, what do I need to do today? I, no, help me break that relationship off. Help me get away from that. Help me out today. What are you doing? I'm just talking to God. You know what I'm doing? I'm feeling my lamp. I'm filling my lamp with oil. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know. I don't have any money the rest of the month. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm afraid. I, I need you to provide. You know what you're doing? You're filling your lamp. You're filling your lamp. And here's what I know. When you fill your lamp, you spend that time just talking to your first, just talking to your first love, just talking to him. 
You spend that time, and you know what happens? You get your lamp full of oil through prayer, and guess what happens? It drives out darkness. It drives out darkness. If your marriage is dried up, and can I be so bold to say it this way? I'm not even talking about praying for your marriage. I'm talking about you just communing with God. I'm talking about you just getting closer to God. That that stuff can happen. Yeah, go to Married for Life. Absolutely. Go to small groups on marriage. You bet. Learn all you can learn. But you know what? You can't let your lamp dry up. What about my kids and my kids and and, and this? And I feel like a relationship in my family, my life is different now. And everybody's going, you you can pray about all that. Yeah, and, and you should. But you know what? Just spend some time with your first love. Get your, get your lamp filled up. Why? Because light drives out darkness. I'm going to pray to drive darkness out of there. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. I'll stand with you in faith. But you know the best thing you do is just connect with your first love. Because it says light drives out darkness. Darkness cannot overcome it. Go back to your first love. How? No, no show of hands, but I don't know what our, your life, my life will look. I know what my life looks like. I don't know. There's areas in your life that have dried up. Go back to your first love. Spend some time with them. Get your lamp full again. Let them fill your lamp. Let them fill your lamp. Let them fill your lamp. I, w- I want to say this in verse 5. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent. Do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Let me say that. I'll remove your lampstand from this place. You know, he's not talking about removing your value. You're still valuable. You're still saved. He's not talking about removing your You're saved. He's not talking about removing that. You still have value and he loves you, but you know what he's talking about? He's talking about you won't be effective in life. If you don't have the presence, you don't have the power. If you don't have oil in your lamp, you're missing the presence and power. He's saying like, I still love you. You still have great value in my, in my, in my eyes and my sight. But you need to drive out the darkness. You need to drive out the darkness. God's a good and faithful God. Amen? And he has a good plan for your life. Let's pray. My heart, my hope today is to know that the greatness of a church is not measured by its programs. It's not measured by its pastor. It's not measured by its property. It's measured by the prayers of its people the prayers of his people. Keep your lamp full of oil. Keep your lamp full of oil. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.